Hey, welcome to the Mitchells vs. Machines commentary track. I'm the uh, director of the movie, Mike Rianda. I'm Mike Lasker, the visual effects supervisor. I'm Lindsay Olivares, the production designer and character designer. I'm Jeff Rowe, the co-director and co-writer of the film. I'm Kurt Albrecht, one of the producers. I'm Alan Hawkins, the head of animation. I'm Guillermo Martinez, the head of story. Uh, this group of people were brought together today. We were told, this is too many people for an audio commentary. We said, <laughs> no, <laughs> I need all these geniuses here. Just because there's there's so many wonderful people that were involved in this movie, and I just want as many of them represented as possible. If I could, I would have all 300, but I just wanted to have everyone on because everyone was such a vital part of why this movie's a success. If you like this movie, then it's because of the people you're hearing today. So anyway, let's do this. So I would say that this is like cold open number 272. We had about 400. Uh, Guillermo did all of them. <laughs> um, and it was, well, because it's hard to get the tone of the movie yeah. right out of the gate because you have to tell people, all right, there's going to be jokes and there's going to be robots and there's going to be a family and there's going to be crazy writing on the screen. Uh Okay, do you got it? You know, and if, if you if you don't have the levels dialed right, people yeah. get confused and and the movie is becomes horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was talking I think I, I heard an executive saying that like the cold open is almost like the last scene you ever worked on ever work on because of how much it changes. So like it was a it was a learning experience. I was like, Oh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so this, will, this will go on forever. <laughs> but it felt for a second I'm like, we're never gonna actually how about it's just like a black screen and it's just the white words the Mitchells versus the machines and then we just move on <laughs> well the one thing that was exciting about this was like we just had the freedom from both the studio and stuff to do wild stuff like have the baboon and stuff or the gibbon monkey which was really exciting to us and we wanted to sort of tell the audience that like Katie is going to be the the um, creator of this movie but Alan you had it you noticed something. We just missed an Easter egg. It's an error, actually, and I just pointed out to these guys because no one's ever noticed it. But a couple scenes back, there's a kid on a skateboard, or he's supposed to be on the skateboard. He's actually not on the skateboard because of a render error. And very few people have noticed. So if you rewind a little bit, there's a kid in front of the, the Quickie Mart that's like a good three feet off of where he's supposed to be. <laughs> Never noticed. That, uh, uh, but forget about it immediately once you see it. You know? It's still a good move. <laughs> Starts. It's really that attention to detail that. <laughs> yeah. um, this this um, opening scene was another one we did a million times, but it actually, like, because I, one thing we realized that if you didn't have like a, an emotional bedrock here, like where you're sort of feeling Katie's feelings and you you're letting the audience experience the world through her eyes, the movie just felt like a bunch of dumb jokes. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and so it took so long to like dial that in right and figure out which introduction is right for which character. And we had hundreds for each character. Hundreds is maybe an exaggeration. We had dozens for each character. And, uh, and it was sort of a combination of like, oh, does this sell the character? Because really you're trying to get the audience to fall in love with these characters. Um, and you know, and that comes through with everything, whether it's like they're, outfits you know it's like what they what they look like or you know how they introduce themselves to the audience and um 
And also this moment is uh, something that happened to me in real life. I would call video game stores. <laughs> and ask them, like, hello, can I talk to you about uh, the Atari Jaguar game Alien vs. Predator? And they're like, you just called five minutes ago, kid. And I was like, I don't have any friends. Um, <laughs> it's funny because one of the first versions of this of this scene was actually like katie doing a video to set to kind of and to submit to the school or like yeah yeah and so like it was just like a like it was a katie video of her like saying like this is my family and this is what i want to do but yeah it was and it was a delight and guillermo boarded it and it featured abraham lincoln shooting lasers out of his eyes and a lot of fun stuff but it it just like what it ended up not being as emotional because Katie herself wouldn't be like I'm re- I get really sad sometimes. You can only it's it's easier to show that through, you know, an objective point of view more. Yeah. No, and it, it's funny cuz like you as a, as a, as a, as a scene, it was actually really really funny. You're like this is great. But then when you put it with the rest of the movie, you're like w- looking for those like like you said like those emotional moments and you're like yeah. why am I not feeling anything <laughs> for this family? And it's like, "Oh, let's just focus and make it more about like the emotion yeah because it was really funny but yeah we had a screening and the screening did not go well <laughs> Beca- and it was really just because that opening was different everything else in the movie was was the same yeah the screening had like only like 120 laughs and we're like no, 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 no. what's going on where are those 300 <laughs> to brag about guillermo for a second all these versions we're talking about he drew by hand and we and they lived that way in the cut for a long time so a lot of this love and emotion you see on the screen is inspired by drawings he did that's true and though him and the whole story team this this was a hannah cho scene you could see in other parts of the dvd that there's like everything you're seeing was drawn by a person and then beautifully and painstakingly gone over by alan's team who who does the animation and mike's team who does the look and Lindsay's team who designs all the characters and 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 does everything in 2d yeah sometimes like the challenge would be to look at the storyboard drawing and say like what was what's the magic in this little sketch that was done really roughly as like a 500th iteration of something like how do we capture that or is this a time where we try to explore and the animator brings something personal or new or something like that it kind of usually went one of those two ways it's like some new exciting idea that the person brought from their personal life or trying to like really capture what was in the boards that worked so well for so long yeah, that was like a big lesson. And you could see it in this scene, actually, the way Katie is like sitting backwards in her seat. That was like an, an idea that, that Alan and the team worked up. And it really made the scene, for some reason, just feel a little bit more alive because that's, you know, in animation, it's like, oh, characters are sitting square in seats and staring right in each other's eyes. But in real life, you know, everyone sits weird and, you know, they're sitting on their foot or they're, you know, um, rocking backwards or whatever yeah i use that as an example of kind of like the whole movie in a way like you know our first few iterations were just her sitting there very upright like you would place a toy in a chair or something like that and it just didn't have that like naturalness that we were always looking for and then the animator tried a few things then finally just flipped the chair around and then we ended up switching all the shots around it to match because it worked so well it's funny so much of our development of this movie took place in that kitchen in that house like it's i true. feel like we literally lived in that house for a year <laughs> that was that was like one of the first things Lindsay and the team designed and that's like one of the things that i'm sort of one of the most proud of in the movie is just like how lived in this house looks like what did what did it take to bring that into <laughs> bring that to life yeah, no, it, it took a lot of 
observation, a lot of amazing work from the design team and designing all these props down to like the salad dressing, which I think like really t makes it super specific and recognizable, but also like the set dressing work done by the layout department, I think in this scene is some of my favorite, like having all these foreground elements close to camera, you're just really in there and all those details, I think really help it feel familiar. I remember an early painting that had a pack of toilet paper, that Costco yeah. pack of toilet paper in the, in the bedroom, and it was like, that's it. Yeah, that, was our, that was our favorite thing. We're like, you never take the toilet paper out of the thing. You just leave it in the in the bag. Yeah, like embracing imperfection was huge. So it's like, I feel like when I was doing early designs, you'd like look around my space, and instead of idealizing it, it was like, what are those things that we're are real to all of us? Yeah. So it was nice when they were recognized. And so unusual for an animated movie where you have spaces like this that just look real and lived in and cluttered and like people actually mm -hmm. exist there. Yeah, the the the, uh, the sort of production team was horrified. They're like, "You can't spend this long on every set. Uh, uh, we don't need to have the little pig in the background that with a chef's hat look this good." And we're like, "We do need to have the pig." In the chef's hat look this good. <laughs> we only see it for one shot, but it's very important to us. But we tried to. We sort of. Um, Lindsay and, and Toby, uh, the art director and their team sort of were smart about like later in the movie, we could be sparse and just show skies and highways and stuff and have that all that stuff repeat. But we wanted everything that the Mitchells touch, like their house and their car to be so detailed and full of love and character and like, OK, Linda picked out that sign in the background. Um, be, you know, she went to Michael's and got it because it makes her feel good. And Rick made that no screens at the table sign. Yeah, and contrast is so big in this movie. So, like, the more stark the robot world is, the more, like, cluttered this has to be. So it, it worked out conceptually, but also from a production standpoint. We spent more of our money in these sets and we trimmed <laughs> down later, which works for the, the concept, but also works practically. Yeah. And that also just, like, thematically works with the movie just because it's about these imperfect humans and these perfect robots and... And that was why we had an extra, I think, like onus on us as as filmmakers to really make the characters imperfect, um, because that's kind of what the movie's about. And and you can sort of let the computer do what it does best on the on the um, on the robots. And and Mike's team did this incredible job taking because we were, you know, me and Lindsay like love two D animation, and we're like, how could it look two D, and how could it look hand drawn, and 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 his team are like these wizards who somehow <laughs> figured out a way to make these characters look almost hand drawn but still sophisticated. Yeah, these are some of my favorite shots in every department on the digital side, whether it's modeling, modeling irregular edges, or texture painting, painting things very painterly and watercolory. And then with our look of picture styling, everything sort of comes together uh, to get that kind of handmade cohesive look. Yeah. But I just love these original kitchen shots. There's a lot of time spent on the yellow of that wall. <laughs> <laughs> this is a Guillermo joke um, that's amazing. And I sort of, at a certain point, they, they took away that picture from us. They're like, we don't have the rights to this picture. So, and I was like, it gets a laugh at every screening. And I started like losing it and shaking in the corner and foaming at the mouth. So I took all of my insane energy and I... Uh, I sort of backwards engineered, found that it, the, the picture was taken in New Zealand, and then I hired a private investigator in New Zealand, and he was a sweet man, but he wasn't good at his job, so I hired another private investigator <laughs> in New Zealand, who was also sweet, very bad at his job. So then I found this guy named The Wolf, um, 
I managed up. I don't know. You know, whatever. If you hear this, I love you. Thank you for trying. Thank you, the wolf. But we hired this guy named the Wolf, who like who who that is his job is to track down people in pictures professionally, and um and he eventually he eventually found the picture and it was like the greatest day of my life. Uh, <laughs> I, I love that that all started because I said, ah, this will be funny. And then all of a sudden, a chain of events that let New Zealand. <laughs> let them be spending uh, $800 on New Zealand. Oh my God. <laughs> Private investigators. This scene is like one of the one of my favorites in the movie. And it's a really great synthesis of everyone firing on all cylinders. Like Mark Mothersbaugh score here is so beautiful. And we had this... Um, in the temp track, we had the score uh, song "The Big Ship" by Brian Eno, which is like one of the best songs. To, y- y- you could show somebody like brushing their teeth to "The Big Ship," and all of a sudden you'll start crying. <laughs> and Mark Mothersbaugh was like, "I can improve this," <laughs> and he sort of he brought all this he brought all this love to it and all this like specificity of like, oh, Katie's kind of unique and quirky, and so maybe her instrument, her signature instrument, is this like these digitized voices. And it was really nice. And then Hannah Cho boarded the scene beautifully. And Alan Hawkins, who is here, animated this uh, scene beautifully, even though it took the entire length of the My production. One shot. <laughs> one year. <laughs> but I did it. It's the last scene I'll ever animate. <laughs> well, because he was like leading a team of hundreds, you know, and he, he was doing it in I between things. I started it when we were real slow. Like, I was yeah. like, this, I could do this. Like, what, what I have, like five animators? And then, like, a year later, it's still not done. Um, there, there might have been a few changes along the way. Might, yeah, yeah, maybe. Know. On this movie, maybe. maybe. <laughs> I still remember Hannah Cho pitching this scene, and it's so funny because like she is very like, this is this is a huge compliment to her, but she's very like kind of when she pitches, she's like, yeah. And then Rick goes and uh, he's uh, kissing Katie, and Katie's like, oh, Dad, I'll miss you so much. And it's very like almost calm, but then like I was like already emotional yeah everyone was like sobbing <laughs> and she was like i don't know i'm done with the scene I'm just did you yeah. like it yeah. <laughs> are there any notes <laughs> and i always say that she like just her like emotional sensitivity and stuff i really think like brought up the movie oh, yeah. it just shows people listening to each other and the way they interact with each other just reminds you of real situations in your life Uh, just now, the the autocorrect on the phone, that was an idea we had uh, that I really love. And the way we did it was that Lindsay, the animator, uh, just got on her phone and typed it real fast. And whatever the autocorrect that happened was is what we oh, handed cool. over to the department. <laughs> but she had, now she had like a live video of her own phone that she recorded that she put into the animation file <laughs> when we were pitching it. So it was like her real actual just like, this is what it was. And Lindsay that's, Butterworth, nice. Yeah, that was awesome. These are some of the first shots we finaled on the whole movie right here. First Rick final was one yeah, of these. Totally. It's got character, class, and remember the getting the trees in the background right was huge right there. Yeah. 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 That was something that um Mike Isaac told um me and Lindsay, you know, as newbies. He's like Mike Isaac was a guy whose production designed a bunch of movies and he he on this movie he's like, I just want to be an artist. But he gave <laughs> us good advice. He's like, he's like, if make sure your trees look good. Make sure your houses look good. Make sure the cars look good. Any repeated element. Um, so Lindsay and their team spent like a ton of time on the trees. And every time I see a tree, I'm happy they spent so much time on it. And that's how we knew when we were really nailing the look. It was like the trees, that campsite, those tests. Yeah. We were like, ah, I think we yeah, got it. Yeah, because for a long time we were like, is this 
is this as good as it can be? This looks kind of different. And it was cool to have Chris Miller and Phil Lord, who are the producers, like just cheerleading us to say like, you know, one of their notes is like, why can't this look more like the stuff you guys love? Which is like the best <laughs> note to ever get. And he's like, and those guys are like, you know, big animation guys. So we're like, well, Chris and Phil told us we had to make it look better. I don't know. I guess we have to add more money to the Sorry, budget. bosses. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that was my whole job is like pretending like Chris and Phil had me in a corner, but <laughs> being giddy that we got to make a bunch of changes. So bad, huh? You know... The posies are on the It was one of my favorite things, too, like the sort of mom looking at a thing on the phone where you lean back and squint. Yeah, sort of yeah. Thing. Like, if you put <laughs> anyone who shows, like, a, a meme or something to their mom, the first thing they'll do is recoil and squint their eyes and, like, <laughs> yeah, 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 adjust yeah, yeah. their glasses to do it. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the character details. I remember this reminds me of Danny McBride came to us late in the process, yeah. and, and getting him really helped Rick kind of not become you Mike because you were the yeah. scratch for so long and it was it was a great shift well, you know? he's, and he's so lovable yeah. and so funny he's like yeah. the funniest guy in the world but he's also we met him and he's like so he's he's always plays this like total jerk in, in, in all these movies but we saw we like met him with his kids and he's like the sweetest guy in the world and we're like oh just do that and he's like oh sure and he was like perfect hmm. uh this this scene is to a large extent a Jeff Rose special. Um, oh yeah, because because like we we wrote this like early, way early in the movie, and uh, <laughs> the vomiting in particular. We, yeah, we were trying to find. We're like, how can they be at odds and have it be fun? Yeah, you know, like how how can it be be peppy and you get to see Katie's creativity? Because I think like early drafts she was just mad that she was on the trip <laughs> yeah. which is not like a fun uh, uh character <laughs> to watch there's mike cameo yeah Blink and you miss it <laughs> yeah that, that that police officer was played by mike lasker um <laughs> my best work <laughs> <laughs> but um but this and this this joke in particular is another jeffra special <laughs> and it makes me laugh every time and it's the most expensive shot in the movie <laughs> and all of the producers were like listen Let's take it out. Let's just take it out. Why don't we just? That's the joke that spawned like a hundred meetings. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was there was a screening that we had in I think it was the one in Sacramento where we're like we're get, like how big of a laugh is it getting? Like will it yeah. get a big enough laugh to justify uh, keeping it? And we yeah. had to have all these rules too. There was a negotiation about like the donkey may only go one inch below the water. <laughs> a, a consistent depth in the water. Well, they, they it had will to... not splash with its hooves. <laughs> Donkey out of a horse because we didn't have enough money to build the donkey. Kids, there's supposed to be some great hikes around here. Uh, no, that's okay. You sure? Hey, it's elk country. But but yeah, like 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 Jeff was saying, it, it this this scene really helps Katie's character because it's like instead of having her say like "Shut up, Dad, I hate you, go die," she's like, "Oh, I'm gonna make the dog kiss him," and that really like opened up the movie for us, I think, and realized made us realize like, oh, she's really fun and exciting when she's being creative, and when she's just being mean, it's miserable. Well, <laughs> yeah, the, the, there there was a moment where I think the movie it was it was in that beginning like Rick was also like being very aggressive and very negative, but then it was a moment where like I think everyone agreed like, oh. It's, just, it's like a loss in translation situation. Yeah. Like, she's trying, but it's missing. And he's trying, but it's not working. And that is, like, identifiable. Yeah. 
And I think, yeah, because I think that's how it feels like when you're in a, fam a family. Like, you want your parents to connect with you, and you want your kid to connect with you, and you're you're trying, but you, you might not be doing it right. And audiences and, and us responded a lot better when it was, like, people trying to connect but failing. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was something Phil said where he was like, uh, it took me a long time in my career to realize people just want to see people being nice to each other <laughs> or trying to. And yeah. it's some of the best advice he gave us for, yeah, for totally. the film. And we really permeated that through the whole movie. Just every scene they should be trying. Yeah. Speaking of Phil, he pitched that. Hello, Mark. forget about it and then it happens and I always laugh. Like, I don't know why I love that one so much. It's like, why would they pick that voice? <laughs> Who was the voice? Is it you? I think it's me. It yeah. is. It is. <laughs> I don't think. I don't know. Count the Rianda performances. <laughs> um, and this, this scene also I really love for a lot of reasons, um, but the color scripting in this scene is so yeah. exciting to us and, and made the scene like a hundred times better from the time it was from the time it was sort of in animation to the time it went into final. The salmon. That was the yeah. the the color salmon. We always referred to it like the Pal Labs salmon. Yeah. That was like yeah, Dave, Dave, Dave Bleich, Bleich and, did a lot yeah. of really amazing color work. We always wanted to be more kind of neon colors to contrast, but Dave really tuned this kind of salmon, purple, teal palette, which yeah. feels very much like teal, like cell phones, very much like phone apps. And we looked at a lot of like tech events where they do their big product announcements and we're trying to kind of caricature that feel. But yeah, this was kind of a fun play where we started a little bit more like calm and then did we did our most kind of specific intense like shot for shot script on this so that it could really support the Yeah, so when the dancing happens yeah. the background starts moving faster so it's more exciting. That sort of thing. And now horrifyingly this is a reality. <laughs> Elon Musk is actually making robots that look exactly like that. Hey, Elon, let's work on climate change, bud. What are you doing? <laughs> but I predict it will go exactly like this. Mark my words. When the, when the robots find this disc in the, in the dystopic future... <laughs> They can you know have an actual I... fear of robot stuff, though, right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> is... I mean, it, this is like fifty percent haha funny jokes, fifty percent talking to the children of America to tell them to watch out. <laughs> They're coming. <laughs> no, 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 no. You, you buy just... a cave somewhere. That's what you do with your movie money. Buy a cave. <laughs> what movie money? <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine a robot grabbing the DVD and going like, how did this filmmaker know about the kill code? <laughs> it's, it very, was it's very generous of him to call us filmmakers. Nice <laughs> 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 robots. That was another great Mother's Ball moment there, the pal theme. That, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wah, wah, wah. Me and Jeff started screaming when we heard that. <laughs> We're like, this is so scary. These are some of our first oh, effect scenes shot. that we did. Beautiful. Pav, our effects supervisor, created these polygonal thruster trails that were just so cool. Yeah. Well, and it and it's that that's like one of those effects that pays off every in every shot it's in. Like it's so it's always kind of exciting and mm -hmm. and dazzling. They really did the effects team did an amazing job. What is this? You'll see. Just watch. <laughs> this uh, is uh wish uh what do you have i heard you hire an actor for the for this the moment of machi doing the 
<laughs> oh, well, we had Doug the Pug. Yeah. <laughs> Celebrity dog Doug the Pug. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Alan, who did that that shot? Was that Guillermo? Guillermo. Uh, Guillermo. Guillermo. Guillermo did the, uh, yeah, I think we did a bunch of different versions of, like, how to kind of memify the yeah. the image. Like, uh, ended he, up with he, the, like. He really plussed it. Yeah, it was fun. This acting of him dancing is also great. There's a there's a shot right now that is probably my favorite shot in the whole movie. <laughs> and it comes in a second. I should have like maybe like waited to set That's it up. Okay. <laughs> 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 Until it comes out. And <laughs> is this one. This yeah. it is that is really great. Like the fact that he smiles at her, like everything is fine. No, there's like it's almost like with a smile he said, Don't worry, Katie. Like it was there's yeah. something so realistic about it. It's also Guillermo. Hey. Killing it. I mean, because that, that is like, I really feel is like kind of some of the platonic ideal for the acting for this movie, where it's like, even though it's kind of a, you know, the movie can be wacky in certain spots, like we wanted all the humans to feel really yeah. natural and alive. We used to have the Jurassic Park theme here. <laughs> Could not afford it. <laughs> <laughs> not even But close. they did a great job. Yep. Mark did a great job. Spent a lot of time in that farmer's town. <laughs> <laughs> I was that's uh, that's producer Will Legra, who's pivotal to this movie and a king. What happens to Monchi in that shot? I've wondered this for years now. Monchi's gone. He just disappears out of Aaron's <laughs> hands, and that's that. Monchi has the ability to phase in and out of uh, material. <laughs> also, if you want to find out what happens to Monchi, uh, wait for Mitchell's versus the Machines too, and a little short Monchi's Monchi's adventure. Monchi's day out. That's that's hey that this is a backdoor pilot to Monchi's day out. <laughs> All right, new role. No more phones. Dad, you break my laptop, cancel my tickets to college. This was a scene that was always in there from the beginning. Oh, also this, um, I would say Lily Nishida did some real God-tier work on those faces. <laughs> <laughs> this is some of my favorite things in the movie. And this uh, this is Chrissy Teigen and John Legend and Charlene Yee, who are all hilarious. We were writing lines for John Legend, and Jeff kept writing so singing lines. <laughs> and we're like, well, I can't really make him sing. And then he's like, just try it, just try it. And, like, Jeff wasn't in the recording studio when I had to ask him to do it. <laughs> so he was like, yeah, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. But I will say, we had him sing a line, and it was like a, like a tear was rolling down my eye. The, the band's incredible. It's like singing when he speaks? He was like, yeah. he was like... I'm the most beautiful man alive. <laughs> and it was like it was it was very funny, but it like it was like all of a sudden it became uh, you know, the uh the the Jim Posey story for three minutes. You had kind of a joke going for a little bit where he was like both really intelligent but really kind of like spacey too. Like yeah. he'd be like, I'm a doctor. Hey, look at that bird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'll talk about that when the moment comes, but that's one of my favorite actor's secret moments in the movie. <laughs> One behind the scenes thing is the all of the Aaron lines are Mike Rianda. <laughs> we had what? to spend a lot of time getting them youth youthful. Yeah, you know that was a big note we had all the way through. Is he sounds too old? But yeah, it, no one has ever complained. No, it's true. Well, the complained. The, the uh, I mean, it was just the best um, option we had available. Even though there were a lot of incredibly. In, amazing uh comedians that tried out for it and stuff it for some reason it was it played the best to audiences 
according to and I took myself out of it. I'm I'm innocent. Ah! <laughs> there was a day that Mike came to my office and said, "Jeff, I have to demand that I'm Aaron. Uh, I need your support. Don't fail on me." <laughs> this is Danny McBride running wild. <laughs> that was an awesome thing about Danny and Abby and Maya. I mean, Abby Jacobson in particular is like such like the movie would not work without Abby. She's so pivotal. And every time she read, she's like so warm and full of life and also gave us like 28 great improv options for every line and is like one of my heroes. And Broad City is one of my favorite things of all time. And my my greatest fear was that she would hate the movie. But um, <laughs> recently she told me she liked it. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Only recently? <laughs> Last week. She's like, I finally watched it now. We're recording this five or six months after the movie's been released. That's Jeff. He does like fun. Oh, that was um, the guy bonking up against the edge right there. Yeah. That was like uh, a, a pitch we had in animation where like a lot of us play video games and stuff. And I was talking to Mike like, hey, you know, like when you're playing Portal or something where you're holding something and it's like crashing against the walls and the physics is over there. What if we did that where it doesn't just go smoothly through the window and it like collides against the edge and stuff and got a big laugh and we kept it i love that moment it's like all those little moments you sort of catch on second and third viewings that like make it richer this scene is amazingly animated by nikondo and also this gas station scene we wrote like a hundred times and guillermo boarded like a hundred times and also this is one of guillermo's finest hours here <laughs> this yeah and the the animation team really plussed it but this really funny reference of four animators <laughs> repeatedly patting each other's faces <laughs> trying to pick the best takes for it. I will say, and I kept being, I was like, get more face touching. And they're like, uh, I don't know, is this an HR violation? <laughs> <laughs> but we, we had so many versions of the scene where me and Jeff were like, it's like children of men, but funny. We open on a Revenant-like tracking shot. It's all one shot. Uh, it's going to be the greatest thing. You know, like we would write in the script, like this is the greatest scene ever committed to animation or whatever. Um, and the funny thing is every time we tried to do it, it just like broke. It was like, it just broke the scene. It didn't work for the moment because you wanted to be bouncing in between characters. And like, that's an example of like having to let go of something you're excited about because it's just not working. <laughs> Machi, come. Machi, no, not shake. Machi, come. Don't fall over. We recorded Night Why Aren't You Normal the day the movie locked on a stage uh, as the movie was mixing. There was a version where, like, this was all, like, done by from Katie's camera. Yeah, that's right. And it was really fun, and then I think it was, I think you mentioned that, that like, it was like, oh, we just removed the main character from a big scene, so we don't know what her thought process is. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, oh it was that's... all, like, POV? Like, yeah, it was all the... POV. Yeah, oh, wow. Yeah. But it, yeah, because you couldn't read Katie's emotions, so all of a sudden, it like it was just more about robots and stuff. Yeah, I even had a moment where like a robot grabs the camera and then flies off into the sky to fight an F sixteen. It was very cool. And then like the camera starts falling and falling and falling, and then Katie grabs it, and I was like, "This is so gonna make it in the movie." <laughs> 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 no, that's not. Sorry. <laughs> that's my directorial story style. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do better next time. Well, initially, it was like 20 robots, too, right? It was like yeah. a whole, like, like simplifying it, like making it 
I don't know. I, I feel like everything we did to like ground it or make it more understandable at yeah. every part in the film. Yeah, we had to it. do that throughout because there's, yeah. there's, you know, because you get you get so up your own butt just being like, what if we do this and what if we do this and we've got a hundred different ideas, and it it really often pays off to just simplify things. Uh, like, fun fact is this team was way longer <laughs> it was like multiple going to different countries and it was almost like a like a 10 minute scene and it was so funny to see it at the end going like oh wow we really like just cut almost all of it because <laughs> like it, it felt slow at that point even if we were trying to like make it funny we had a really sweet board artist named ben who was like i was like ben look we don't have enough money for more than two locations he's like right got it i'll deliver something you're gonna love and it was like 700 locations they're in the serengeti they're going through the and I'm like, Ben, we don't, we don't have the money for this. This is very cool. Because one thing, one of the heartbreaking things about sort of directing a movie is like, if you have really great people on your team, oftentimes you have to tell them, oh, we can't use this amazing thing you did. And we try to stick, we try to stick literally as many as we could and as possible in, but couldn't get them all. I love the lighting on this scene. Yeah. Yeah, we looked at a lot of James Terrell light installations for it, which it's like the Powell world is so much about the light and this kind of like eerie, colorful, low contrast, but really like saturated space. That yeah, again, Dave Bleich did a lot of great color keys along with the Toby Wilson, Arthur Fong doing set design. Yeah. Well, and, and it's cool too. One thing I like that you guys did and, and sort of point, pointed out to me is just like, how the pal colors are taking over the other characters mm -hmm. and you start to see that in act three in a in an exciting way where all of a sudden the characters like lose their local color and start taking on these like kind of neon scary colors um and it's just a visual way to sort of show how dominant um the villains are this is olivia coleman running wild <laughs> doing amazing olivia coleman is like Every time I've said this before, but every time we recorded her, someone in the room would just silently be like, oh, my God, she's incredible. Because <laughs> we would write these like, you know, oftentimes like me and Jeff would be like, you know, sleep deprived. And we're like, oh, we're recording Olivia Coleman tomorrow. Write 100 new funny lines. And, and you know, three of them would be good. And, you know, 60 of them would be nonsense. And she would somehow make these terrible lines sound great. Mm -hmm. It was like some half-written line, and she says it, and all of a sudden you've got to chill up your spine. She's certainly classing up the joint. Yeah, yeah. totally, yes. Yeah, because yeah, this is one that was me in the scratch, and the second I was I was sort of, you killed the beast and got rid of me and put Olivia Coleman in there, the movie like went up a letter grade. I mean, the thing is, that, like, a lot of people forget that she started a sketch comedy. So, like... Yeah. When she, I heard her screaming and doing all those things that you were asking her to do, like, I yeah. imagine, like, her being like, yeah. Yeah, this is like normal, normal to me. Like, it was yeah, just no, like... she, <laughs> she was very game. She was super game. She had no pretension. You can't survive without me. Well, you know, she's flea bagging all those great shots. Oh, these are some of my favorite shots coming up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this is a late idea. That's Jeff's wife, Natalie. Hey. Hey. She's great. Hire her. 
this, 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 um, we, we, we wanted to go further with this and have an actual person sacrifice. <laughs> but even, even that joke, uh, the studio was a little sketchy. <laughs> we we're like, no, we'll just have a couple of dead people on a stake. It was like, we like, must no. make a sacrifice to the ancient one. Yeah. And then I feel like there were, e- there was like an email chain that was like the ancient one. Like, are we keeping this? Like, <laughs> I actually remember like something like that scene out, and I think it was, it was a guy sacrificing their firstborn. Yes, that's yeah, right. Yeah. And, and, the, and the kid and the kid was like freaking out, and everyone was like, "Dude, Carl, what the hell?" Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was the thing. It was like it was like, "Whoa, Carl, we weren't talking about your kid." He's like, "Oh, okay, got it, got it, got it, got it. Cool, cool, cool." <laughs> Our argument was like, "Well, if the kid doesn't die, then it's all fine." <laughs> um, this is some really beautiful work by both. Mike's team and uh, the the art team. I, I love all this stuff. Because th- th- there are a lot of points in the movie where we just wanted it to look as cool as possible. <laughs> like, just, this should look amazing. And every once in a while, I'd be like, this should be on a, you know, whatever. I had a friend of mine who actually said, like, oh, this is like a post-apocalyptic sorbet. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, like that. I should tell that to the team. It's refreshing. Yeah. Very, very tasty. <laughs> Wi-Fi has been restored. Were the last people left? Then we come back to this fluorescently lit environment, just so kind of... Yeah, kind of gross. This was, this was, this was the hardest scene in the entire movie, is we changed every line 700 times, because it's a really hard tonal shift to go from, like, fun family road trip to, like, death, destruction, humanity gone, um... But uh, but we kind of needed to, and and it was it was really tricky to get the balance right. We even had like a shirtless Rick, right? Yeah, <laughs> I was all in on shirtless Rick, and they're like, "This is gonna cost an additional forty eight hundred dollars." It's like, I think we can, I think we can afford it. And the producers like, no. <laughs> We just see Mike buying masks to rub a bank. Just to that. <laughs> I, also, I will say, I say producers, but we are with Kurt Albrecht, yes. who is a delightful producer and <laughs> tried his hardest to, you know, and carry the whole team. You know, like everyone was on the same team in, in terms of like the mission being how to make the movie as good as possible, but how not to, um, you know, uh, make Sony bankrupt at the same time. <laughs> Yet. Come on, kid. Look, look. We're safe and we're together. One of my favorite jokes. Yeah. <laughs> this is an Alex Hirsch joke. If you like Gravity Falls, he wrote this joke. <laughs> I do love that. <laughs> okay, okay, sorry. Misread the room on that one. Have you ever seen a movie where the heroes just give up? What if the Ghostbusters said, you know what? Let's hide underground. Eat some dog. Let the this, this moment right here was, well, this is one where it's like, I feel like Chris Miller and Phil Lord really helped us out because... We initially had so many jokes in this moment, and they were like, just play this really real. Let's see the sadness on Linda's face. Let's see the sadness on Katie's face. Let's have Katie, Linda not be able to find the words and let this stuff all be, um, let this stuff, like, have this little moment. Because it it shows that, and those moments went so far in in terms of making you engage because it just lent an emotional reality this movie that could feel really wacky and and i learned a lot from sort of like adding those little moments in that seem unimportant and that's one of the best shots of the movie shout out to the peter chan 
Was that was that a Peter Chan? That was Chan? Peter Chan. Yeah, uh, painting. Painting. Uh, uh, the lighting team. It's one of the first shots released, I think, to Our to the public. Look image, yeah. 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 And this scene was boarded by Hanacho, and the way whenever there's an emotional scene, we just grab the shell. I go, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> just just call her. <laughs> well, and she and she was she spent a lot of the uh, show in Korea. And so, like, we would give her a scene at the end of the day, and then, like, like magic, it would appear on the server in the morning. <laughs> but we had we had an incredible story team. Andrew Ross, uh, uh, Guillermo Martinez next to me, uh, Vitaly Strukas, Caitlin Van Arsdale. The whole team uh, did incredible work, the whole movie. Amazing. Wasn't Lindsay Duran a big proponent of this intercut here, Mike? With, yes. Yeah, where you come back downstairs. Lindsay Duran is this amazing person who you'll never know because that's the way she likes it. <laughs> but she's like this script whisperer who, me and, or at least I won't get, I won't incriminate Jeff, but I was very skeptical of in the beginning. I was like, <laughs> I was like, who is this person criticizing our incredible script? And then Jeff was like, Hey, I read these notes. These are like all right on. And I'm like, what? This is not great. <laughs> um, and, and she was really great. And she really helped us like hone in the story and, and just make every little moment play better. And she works a lot with Kristen Phil and she was sort of helping us out from like day one to the end. I feel like she like kept us, kept us honest. Like she, yeah. she, she would often focus on logic and clarity which yeah. is i think sometimes when you get excited about a scene or jokes like goes out the window it's like yeah it'll make sense it'll yeah, make sense yeah. but she kind of like nope this, this you need matters. to explain this yeah, yeah this should connect to this yeah well and and it's true because if you if you have those gaps in logic you can't enjoy whatever delightful thing you're trying to build to yeah, yeah especially emotionally i think she really yeah. focuses in on that yeah i wasn't yeah. i wasn't there but i heard that like the last day she said my job here is done and she turned into a flock of birds <laughs> 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 she is a magical presence, <laughs> and I am grateful to her every day. Okay. <laughs> and that did happen. Okay, you can, we have footage. <laughs> this is, um, this is, these are two of the first characters uh, we came up with on the movie. Because I just thought it would be delightful to have, it's, it's somewhat inspired by Bone, the Jeff Smith comic, who has these dumb rat creatures, where it's like, some characters that are enemies that also are somewhat sympathetic, which like rounds out the world a little bit more. And uh, and Beck Bennett and Fred Armisen just nailed, uh, absolutely nailed these these guys. And the, the the animators too like brought so much to it. Like all the little like this move where this guy does the robot. Um, the animators really like had a lot of fun with having the non-talking character supporting. This isn't. One of my favorite shots. I chickened out on a joke right off the bat doing this recording when we were going around doing introductions. Uh -huh. I was going to be like, my name is also Kurt Albrecht. <laughs> <laughs> right. You blew it, Alan! <laughs> that would have been great. Let's redo it. The first 45 are just practicing. <laughs> we're just getting warmed up. <laughs> this is an, a funny example of, uh, speaking of Lindsay and Phil... Phil is like amazing in that he's always trying to he's always trying to iterate and he's like and like even to the last moment he's like is Deborahbot five thousand our best name and we we like you know with like three weeks to go we were like is there a better name than Deborahbot five thousand and Lindsay was like no 
this is fine. It's been, it's great. It's been great. And he's like, all right, sure. Um, but that, that's a cool thing about working with Chris and Phil who are like, it was so incredible that we got to work with them. They're literally like heroes and they saw the movie and they're like, we like it. And I was like, well, that's good enough for me. <laughs> My job is done. And then they're like, would you like it if we executive produced it? And I'd be like, yeah, Chris and Phil, of course. Um, the way they work is so interesting because it's just, it's like constantly going through the movie, start to finish and just looking at each moment and trying to turn the screws on every single little moment until every single moment works a little bit better. And it's sort of like this process of evolution where it's like, we'll all throw out these different mutations like, oh, maybe this, maybe this joke, maybe this joke, maybe this joke, or, you know, maybe this emotional part, maybe this could strengthen it. And then we tr just try everything like crazy people. And then whatever survives kind of grows and, and becomes a part of the movie. And, and, and a lot of the experiments die, but it, it ends up making the movie a lot better. Kind of had an interesting situation with all the lockdown and work from home stuff that we were able to do kind of like a second pass on the movie in a lot of yeah. ways. Like there was a, a whole, because we had the majority of it done at a certain point and then things got really unclear and we went back into that phase. You guys just started fixing up everything and making every little bit better. And we had a smaller team working on it and, uh, it just really took the movie to a whole other level. It was really nice. Yeah, it was it was cool because they they have these things called CBBs that are like <laughs> scenes that could be better. And I'm such a lunatic. I'm like, we have to hold on to every scene. They all have to be ten out of ten. But um, there was a point where we went back to some of those shots and sort of tried to improve them. And I think overall it really helped the movie. We had this negotiation of like, okay, Mike, we're going to go through the CBBs, and I need you to call them an A, a B, or a C priority. And then you're like, okay, so like that one's, that's an A plus. That's going to be an A plus and plus. <laughs> and then 90 minutes later, we have nothing but A plus pluses, A pluses, and A's. And there, are no there are no C's on the list. <laughs> it worked out. It's great. <laughs> going to call that one an A plus minus. <laughs> All the little, I was gonna say, all, like there's, there's no way you'll ever see all the Easter eggy things of all the like fast, quick frame stuff that all the art department did with like the quick cut Katie Vision frames and stuff like that. Like I'm constantly seeing things that I never saw before that are just so amazing and fun and rich. Well, it's I think that comes from just sort of being. I was sort of a lonely child <laughs> and whenever i saw an episode of the simpsons where there's a freeze frame joke i was like i feel less alone <laughs> um and just sort of like and it also sort of told me as a kid like oh somebody cared about this you know and and I, now i care about it because they cared about it and like our our theory was that you could if you jam the movie so full of love and excitement and ideas and things that we love then it would just like beam out of the screen into people's hearts like the care bears <laughs> um and it has for some people, which is great. It's interesting. This scene, you, this scene actually used to be a way another another scene that was super long, and it was more seeing the family like getting closer together throughout the road trip to get to the mall. Oh yeah. But I think it was like I think it got to a point where people were like just like ah, let's just get to the mall. Like it, it it went through so many iterations, but like it was there was a lot of funny moments where like it was just like. You know, like Katie, like playing around with like using the lasers and picking like giant statues up to play yeah. with Aaron and all fun stuff. But like it, you know, 
after seeing this i was like oh yeah this feels better yeah well because this this because I, I i really like the scenes they're on the dvd by the way check them out mm-hmm. <laughs> um but uh but i really like those scenes but it it, it is true that this this scene manages to keep the tension alive of, oh, the robots are still chasing them. And Jeff had that great idea where they use the tarp that looks like the road. And, and we're able to sort of keep the tension of that alive and also sort of make it a story scene where Rick and Katie are getting a little bit closer to each other. And Aaron is rooting for them to get closer together. So they, they feel invested and, and they have a little bit of progress in this, in this stick shift moment, which pays off at the end, so it mm. it ended up playing a lot better. Get those robots. Okay, I found one. That animation I love. <laughs> that was literally one of like the last, the, the last like comedy brainstorms that we did was was, was for that that moment came. Oh out yeah, that. that's right. Yeah, that was that was, <laughs> yeah. I remember that. That was one of your that was one of your bits. One of the animators did these scenes on his own. These few scenes. Um, and they were so cool. He just did them on his own. I think it was, was it Aldrich? That was Aldrich, yeah, yeah. We, I don't know why we were in that, like, maybe the we had to jump into animation before layout was done, and so we were like, just get it to us early or something. Yeah. And yeah, he just used that set and made his own cameras and experimented with all the different little props that were in that great little, like, ball pit. Yeah, and they were so area. cool. I was like, how do we get them in the movie? Yeah, you Because <laughs> they were supposed in. to go in the beginning, and, and I kept... I kept sticking them in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great. This is a great Katie Vision moment. This is that's based on Lindsay's first Katie Vision that she ever did mm. for the movie. That she did um, without anyone asking her to. Um, and I remember uh, one of our production managers was like, "Why are you spending so much time on this?" <laughs> but it was so it was so fun. Like that was like one of the most exciting days I ever had on the show. Was watching that. Like what? What? Yeah, what? we we had a look of picture meeting coming up, and so th- most of it was focused on like the render look and our kind of final presentation of that. But it felt like this was always this missing ingredient of the look of picture. Was this could be something that we could have throughout. So it was like, well, Alan did a really cool like animation test. We had our first one, so let's test it on top of it. So that kind of led to doing some after hours, doing a test, <laughs> and it, it went really well. So then we we had another element of our look at picture. Like it made us scream. Like I mm-hmm. was like sending it to my friends. I'm like, look at this crazy <laughs> stuff we're doing. And like, and when when Chris and Phil saw it in the screening, they just started. They were like, ah. Well, that shot was one of those times where you put down a flag and like, this is this is yeah. where we're heading, you know? It's yeah. what you always go back to. Yeah, totally. That was like when you guys figured out the forest for the first time and we did Katie Vision for the first time. This is, a, this is another Jeff Rowe uh, brilliant moment. Because <laughs> um, at one point it was just really unclear it was like, are these rockets? Why does it look like a triangle? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> it's like audiences were rioting. And then I was I was like, well, let's just put in a diagram. And he's like, oh, that's boring. What if it's like an airplane video? And he also wrote that joke. Um, insofar as you could write it. Uh, <laughs> Toasters. Toaster in a field. Toaster in field. <laughs> Enter. And also it got to the point where we were we were working on the movies and we're working so quick we wouldn't have time to do storyboards so we would just have greg our editor who is one of the mvps of the movie love you greg pour one out for him 
Um, he's not dead. He's, he's still alive. He's just, yeah. <laughs> he couldn't make the recording. What? <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh, but um, but he's wonderful. Um, and he, we would just write on a, like white words on a black screen that says toasters galloping through fields. <laughs> and then we would just like you know, and then and then we'd show it to Guillermo, and he would do an amazing version. This is er- Eric, Eric Andre. Andre did an amazing job. Eric Andre is again. He's like such a. He did that bad trip movie and he's so like intense his like persona is so intense and he's like the sweetest most well-prepared professional guy in the world and he's also just like insanely laugh out loud hilarious we had a test screening coming up in long beach and he recorded a bunch of crowd work for the character mark uh <laughs> mark bowman to say to the screen like what up long beach <laughs> Hope you're out there eating at the Wetzel's Pretzels at the, uh, you know, the <laughs> Cinemark 5 or whatever. <laughs> and then uh, the studio was like, absolutely not. We're not going to pander to Long Beach <laughs> to boost your scores. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I will say that room would have become electric yes. <laughs> if he just would have started making local Long Beach well, references. the boss man worked. Yeah. Long yeah. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> We one time had an introduction to uh, the movie that was so unhinged uh, that it confused everyone into not laughing. Or maybe they just didn't like the movie, but I like to tell myself that they... (laughs) Also, it makes no sense that there's photographs of the dog and pig other than we thought it was slightly funnier. (laughs) That was like Jeff called me at like six in the morning one morning. He's like, dude, we got to get the stock photos in there. And we did. And every time I see it, I'm so happy. You mentioned test screenings. Those, the one we had in January before we all went home for the pandemic was yeah. pretty amazing. You know, there yeah. was moments where it's, to see this movie with the crowd is a is a really lovely thing. And it was yeah. dad's going off on this on the screwdriver. <laughs> Mom's loving the Linda flip out. It was yeah. really great. It was really fun. Yeah, that, I mean, I, I'm really happy with how the movie came out and everything. But that is one thing I'm sad about. Just seeing it with an audience was really exciting. Yeah. And it, yeah, people were like hearing the dad in phoenix be like yes <laughs> when the dad pulls out the robertson head screwdriver <laughs> it was very exciting. it was like if you know luke destroying the death star yeah. was that level of... <laughs> <laughs> and maybe just test screenings are ex- they're excited to see a new movie but um it felt it felt pretty good yeah <laughs> Um, this is um, very official. Toby Toby Wilson, our art director, like consulted his brother who worked in computing to make sure that felt as honest as possible. And we we tried to do as much of that stuff as possible. It's like just trying to make the trying to make the um, art design feel really um, observed. Like the PAL store, we spent a lot of time trying to make it look more real. Okay, uh, look at look at jokester here. This scene felt like a threshold where it's like either the people are going to love us for this movie <laughs> or they're going to walk out of this movie <laughs> with the scene. This was a hard balance because for a long time in the beginning there was like we had just 58 jokes of killer toys that were like I'm tea time Tina and then she breaks a teacup and holds it up to Aaron's neck or whatever. But like I like that pesto line. That was the last minute edition. Um, but uh, but we learned that like that always sucked the energy out of the Furbies, and when we took that stuff out, yeah. it made the Furby stuff way funnier. Well, I mean, there was like 
so many there was like a version where like i think the appliances had already come to life and they have yeah. kind of made a, a civilization from the mall <laughs> and it was very like uh, uh lord of the flies yeah. meets mad max <laughs> well and you had this like immortan joe tickle me elmo yeah. guy that we were like, oh, well, we'll legally be able to get away with that. Tickled me Melmo, right? And then the lawyer's like, no, dude, what are you insane? Remember, I still remember having that conversation with you, Mike, where you were like, we can't use the Furby, so what are we going to use? Tickle me Melmo. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like you're better than this. <laughs> to Guillermo's credit, he never said that and boarded it beautifully. Like, yeah. I was like, I really love this job. I'll just keep my personal opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, legal was so hard on this. Whether yeah. it was the, the Furby or Tickle Me Elmo, but the mall was hard because the stores add so much reality to it. If you can have real ones, so yeah. we we first had the mall where we had all real stores, and there was a legal way we could do it when, it, like, if the camera moved fast enough, yeah. and we thought there was more of like a car chase in the mall. So then at the end, we had to like figure out our best fake mall stores but we got a couple yeah we got a couple we, we got, got these we got popcornopolis right. i mean hello <laughs> they're getting a big mitchell's boost yeah a lot of people think it's product placement but we reached out mike especially yeah, yeah. reached out a lot, a lot of like, personal base. please i, ha- I yeah. had to write like 150 emails to hasbro about the furbies and i'm like guys how's it going uh, mike randa again good to hear from you uh and they're like just eventually warm <laughs> I was like, we have such love for the Furby, you know, um, and we do. I mean, it's 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 like it because this made us laugh so hard when we were writing it. I was I was like, I was like, uh, you know, because we're just like a bunch of like film students who somehow swindled our way, into, you know, getting a big budget. And we were like, what if there was this scene? And Jeff wrote one of the first versions of it. I was just like sobbing, laughing. And Ryan, um ryan lang who is a great artist and was the second person hired is he's like a great artist but he's very stoic and when i heard him like laughing through the wall at the furby jokes i was like if, i was like if, if he's laughing this is gonna be great and then we had it in test screenings and people either loved it and also some people would drag their children out of the theater <laughs> like this is not for children it's too unhinged um i still remember seeing that in the, one of the one of the long beach one was it mm-hmm. that like the mom grabbed the kids but she was like right next to the executives and the president <laughs> of the studio <laughs> i was like oh no oh no <laughs> i will say i will say this that we had the the executive the, pre- the president of sony himself like was sort of like did a lot of great work in terms of like he's like if this movie is gonna work it's gotta be great so he said he like came to the edit bay and it was very scary and he was like he's like i'm not sure i get this furby thing and we're all like no 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 the furby thing's great the furby thing's great and he's like do they really shoot sparks out of their mouths and we we knew they didn't (laughs) and we're like yes They've always shot sparks out of his mouth. He's like, all right, whatever. <laughs> to be fair, I feel like this is like a Nelson Mandela effect where people were like, yeah, they did, right? They always, yeah, they they always, always shot Furbies. They always shot sparks out of their mouth. There was that one back uh, when the arrow hits the Furby and the blood comes out of it or the dark liquid, whatever. Oh, yeah, oil. And right. The animator, Daniel Leva, put that in there. And I was like, sure, whatever. That's not going to make it through. I just let him pitch it, and we left it in for a long time. And you loved it, and it stayed. I, I, that was one you I was You can barely sure. see it, yeah. but there is Furby, quote-unquote, blood, <laughs> which is oil. I tried to cut it, and Mike was like, you got to have the blood. <laughs>
the kids the kids want it you know like, i would always like be like it's for the children and it's like it's not for the children it's just for me there was some kind of rule about what like the that you couple things you couldn't do to the furby or something like oh that. yeah we couldn't light him on fire because at one point his face melted off it's like fully on fire they're like please adjust to make furby not melting and screaming <laughs> uh, we're like we can do no melting but screaming is a deal breaker um and then we had but i will say we love furbies we had aaron takes a furby at the end it's back to life it's back to normal we love it it's great <laughs> it's a great moment the, it was, for some reason, it reminds me of a moment where we were in the just talking about like things in production where we were always like trying to fight to get more than we were allotted money wise. And I remember Jeff at one point talking to the producer. He's like, is there anything on your spreadsheet to quantify hopes and dreams? <laughs> <laughs> what on your spread is 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 the power of hope on your spreadsheet? Where's the column for the human heart for the human spirit? <laughs> um. that, that got like so little traction because we all we were doing all day was asking for more, and then we pull that pull that BS. <laughs> this scene was a really hard one to do. Um, this this the, the whole act two. For a long time, didn't have this downbeat after the mall. They were just really excited, and we realized that like, oh, if the if they lose all hope with the with the router here, it might it might sort of make the whole act work better. And we didn't think we were like, oh, I don't know if this is working. But then people gasped in the theater when the router uh, when she realized that the router was broken. We knew it was working. That was an interesting moment where because they gasped at very very rough boards. Yeah, totally. Well, it's like they're not gonna get it, and then all of a sudden, like <laughs> you hear people go, oh. "I was like, oh wow, it's, it's really the same thing with the laptop when it broke up in the beginning." Yeah, like that was the moment where everyone was like, "Okay, we're gonna be fine." Yeah, no, totally. Well, and that and that was that was that was a Jeff written moment and a Guillermo boarded moment, but but I really feel like that was when the the conflict of the movie became enough to make it to warrant a movie, because for a long time before that, they were just Katie and Rick just had a mild argument, and then the rest of the movie proceeded. And the audience was like, they'll be fine. What are you talking about? Yeah. They just, they, what? They had a five minute argument. Now they're, you never think they're going to, but it, but because it was visual, that was something that we learned like over and over again is every, everything plays better when it's visual. Um, we had so many like verbal jokes that didn't play until we added a visual element to them or until we replaced them with something visual or, you know, Rick and Katie's relationship when we added the moose to be a symbol yeah. A cinematic symbol of like their togetherness, like it just lets the audience do that little bit of work themselves to figure it out themselves a little bit, and 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 people people love doing that. This is a Quinn Larson joke. <laughs> that is a Quinn Larson joke. And then Beck Bennett added, "I made eye water just like you." Which I, like. <laughs> I really loved them adding that crosshairs and Katie's hands. Katie, that would be a waste of time and. The one thing we never really planned for all of the Katie Vision stuff that was one, I mean, an animation. Uh, you guys had plans on the back end. Yeah. But, like, yeah. uh, <laughs> but I kind of liked this idea, one, because it saved time and it was one less thing for me to worry about in my department, but that, like, <laughs> it makes it seem uh, like real, like she was drawing on a final product or something yeah. like that, like yeah. a finished frame, rather than leaving a space for a little character to pop up or something like that. So you guys always worked inside of what the scene needed to be outside of that and then all the Katie Vision stuff just plussed it. Yeah, well, it gave, it gave us flexibility too because oftentimes, like, Lindsay and, and Lily and Alice Lemma um, would do these Katie Vision flourishes and sometimes they would work 
amazingly and it would make the movie more alive and stuff. And sometimes it was just like too much. So it, it allowed us to, on the back end, try stuff out without like having to put too much, um, too many uh, resources towards it. I had a friend of mine who actually asked me, like, hey, question. So did the family, like, grab gasoline and burn them all down right before they left? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. I guess you're going to have to buy the DVD. Find out. I don't know. At one point, I had Katie throwing away a gas container, and they made us cut it. <laughs> this is, to speak to Alan's amazing moment. There we uh, go. One time at after a meeting, Quick walked up to me and was like, hey, can I try something out with the stealth bots? And then he did this, and it was the best. <laughs> These are my babies. <laughs> my, I don't care about anything else in the movie. I don't care He's about been emotions. asleep the rest of the movie. He just woke up from his nap. Motivations. <laughs> just, just let me play with the black robots. <laughs> no, that was it. Was actually really one of the most like cool things because a lot of times ideas are very thought out before they get brought from spa to image works. And um, the fact that we got to like really experiment with something early on and come up with um, you know a weird way of moving them around was really a rare treat. And I'm a big science fiction fan, so like I think that's the, like I was just super excited to do that. And everyone had this really great time with them. One thing that's cool that uh, people probably don't know unless they watch any of the other making of things, but like the tools that we made for those robots don't even allow for it to be done the same way twice. There's no rig for how they break apart. So every single scene is an animator's personal touch on how they get like broken yeah. apart and stuff, which I think makes them really special, really cool. Yeah, that was something that was really cool about both Alan and Mike, who anyone who's listening to this probably doesn't care about the difference, but kind of technically work for a, you know, a different part of Sony. Um, and we sort of tried as much as we can to like break the walls down and involve those guys and everything as early as they can so because they were such great artists and such great collaborators that they were able to throw in ideas way early um and and inspire us too you know so so it was it was more of a cyclical feedback loop so it wasn't just us saying just do this you know it was like help they were able to help us problem solve yeah i think when you're creating a look that's so artistically driven you need that back and forth collaboration to really find yeah. it yeah, it's with everything. It's like the render, but even the characters. I remember the point that we were taking the character designs and putting them through different expressions and realizing just like the different ways you basically draw, like the deformations, they'll feel different. So we had a lot of great conversations with Alan and the animation team about like what things do specifically so that the characters too can feel most like the kind of 2D design inspiration we had in animation. And that collaboration was super helpful for the, the final on-screen result. Yeah. Well, and I was just thinking of something that you said in an interview, Lindsay, and the scene really reminds me of it, where mm -hmm. you were like, because you're a caricature artist, yeah, yeah. and you were like, oh, we should try to caricature the emotion of every scene. Um, and I think you guys did it really beautifully. Yeah, like I think of production design very much of, as that, like you do with your light, like all of your choices, you need to like really, really exaggerate everything so it feels like more of what it is. But I especially love The Rocket too, because it's kind of this caricature of like, someone on their cell phone like in the beginning of the mm -hmm. moment it, movie it's like mm -hmm. someone looking at like a little cyan glowing light on their screen and by the end of the movie it's a very giant cyan glowing light so yeah, it's kind of they're encapsulated in yeah yeah so it's really the exaggeration and caricature and kind of distilling the kind of core ideas 
Well, and that's and that's what's so cool about animation to 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 be an advertisement for animation. But that's it's one of the most fun parts of the process because you get to point every laser at the story point. You're mm-hmm. like, okay, this character needs to feel sad, so we can adjust the background to 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 do that. We can adjust the shape language. We can adjust, you know, the lighting, the vocal performance, the animation, um, you know, everything to to sort of make that point better. Um, and it's so exciting, and, and it just makes me wonder why anyone ever make a live action movie. <laughs> uh, quick question. I just saw this in a big screen. <laughs> Were the robots playing patty cake in the back? Yes. <laughs> yes. That's amazing. That was another joke I didn't think would make it through. That was, that was the animator Cody threw that in the back, and I'm like, sure, let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah, the, the, those robot, the robots also hold hands when they're looking at the giant, uh, giant uh, rocket. <laughs> This was an early joke that that like really killed, and it, it, you could tell it's an early joke because it takes place in a fancy buffet, which was a reference to the fact that the climax used to happen in Las Vegas, but we never really adjusted it because we were like, ah, it gets a laugh, who knows? Um, but um, there's something about that little that dog in the tuxedo that is is <laughs> really electrifies audiences and me and my heart. These little moments really paid off, you know, and, and, and also just to speak to both Mark Mothersbaugh's score and um, the mixing. Uh, mixing is like a part of the process that I don't think anyone knows about who doesn't make movies, but it's really key and can make or break your whole movie just what level the sounds are at and what level the music is at. And we had this really great mixer, Mike Semanic, who has done every Academy Award winning movie of all time. <laughs> um, and he's wonderful. And he was able to really smooth that stuff out. And I think some of the reason why some of those scenes are emotionally effective is because he was so sensitive with the levels of those. Um, this um, And this tunnel is an example of this is something that one of our artists, Alex Konstad, did. He just did this random drawing of a tunnel or painting of a tunnel. And we we're like, oh, my God, this tunnel is great. We had to put it in the movie. At a certain point, I was just sort of like Jordan Peele from the Gremlins 2 skit where I was like, put it in the movie. Uh, this insane city, robot city is done by Yashar Kasai, who is amazing. And that was like a rare moment where the note was like, could this just be a thousand times cooler? And he's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> and then he did it. And I was shocked. I, I was like, was oh, I didn't know I could just do say that note. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I think there was a point where we're like, we can't ask him to keep doing it, right? And trying new stuff. <laughs> and we did. And it's the best thing ever. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and this city's like the exact opposite of the house at the beginning yeah. of the movie. It's so clean and reflective and sharp. Yeah. When it's in, and it's, you know, the, 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 the lighting team just did an awesome job with it. I always find it funny that Pal was like, not like, guys, right there. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> just look for the chubby one. <laughs> <laughs> no. The audience is invested by now. Me and Vitaly and a bunch of other people boarded on this scene, and I was trying to find ways to like, put the camera in a way in a place that like you couldn't really see them really well yeah 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 so kind yeah. of like really not show like okay <laughs> what about that one with the giant belly <laughs> this <is> crazy <laughs> Now, you might be wondering why the robots use trams if they're able to fly. And 
We are too. We don't. We, don't. we have a complex reason. It's because Jeff. It's because they have batteries. Yeah. <laughs> we we figured it out. We figured out a very fig leaf type explanation for why we have trams. It's mostly because Guillermo bought an awesome tram seat. Yeah. <laughs> and we're like, how do we get this in the movie? It is really cool though. Like I love the the kind of like tragedy feeling that happens when you have all the emotional breakdown but then also they're falling through the sky and all that stuff and the lights yeah. are going nuts like and the way like you're talking about the mix and the sound how it affects it like the just that that's one of my favorite moments in the movie it's just so yeah powerful. this is yeah. michael yeah. semantic right here yeah this is mike semantic and also like this was sort of one of phil's ideas to sort of like what if it's uh, tragic music i don't know you know it's, it's like throwing out t 10 ideas and this this one ended up really like the sound mixers really ran with this and did an incredible job Visually, we just push these colors so graphically yeah. bold, and Rick's has this look as he turns around right here, right before they crash. They just always got me. Yeah, yeah. And it was really hard to balance that because the the art team did so many great color keys, and then I think at one point, like Lindsay or Dave were like, "Can we use all of them?" <laughs> and then like we just started cheering and high fiving, and then. And then I left, and then they figured out how to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting. You do like color keys or color scripts for your, you know, for your shots, for the lighting team. But for some of these, when there's so much action, it's like, how much can you change it, or how much is it when it actually plays through? So we took Peter Chan did a bunch of amazing keys, and David Bleich, and I like put them on top of the layout to just check. Like it needs some, in the same way that the music supports it. Like can our lighting go even further? Yeah. And it's like these sets are so streamlined and simple that you end up adding complexity with light more than like the set design details. Yeah, totally. I think there's something really interesting creatively about that too, because I think like, uh, you know, it's like, oh, the thing is crashing you want it to be scary uh use the color red and use the the traditional things that convey danger but uh i think the color script of the film is really complex like though the colors that are used there are very bright and in other contexts could be fun colors or exciting yeah, colors sure. but they've been like coded and patterned throughout the film to be like these are the colors of danger these are yeah. the colors mm -hmm. of the robot world um, and, the, and the team too made a good job of like kind of making them somewhat acidic instead yeah. of like mm -hmm. bright and inviting. There's a scene coming up, a really awesome moment uh, animated by Martin Sen. Um, I think it might be this one. Oh yeah, the, the... So she pulls on some grass and stuff yeah. out of desperation, and it's a kind of scene that would take a really long time normally. And I think he did it in like two weeks or something. Like yeah, <laughs> all the ideas were really great right off the bat, and really nice improvisational things that came out of his reference and stuff. And yeah, stuff. this this is the one, I think. Yeah. And it's hard to even see, but, like, Katie throwing that little rock and Aaron being nervous and pulling from the leaf, it's like, I love that stuff. That It, it really is sort of, like, the platonic ideal of, like, what we were shooting for with the movie because it just reminds you of, like, oh, man, when I was a little kid and I didn't want to look at my, you know, older brother in the eye, I would, like, pull up my pants or do anything but like make eye contact and those little moments I really feel like make the uh, make the movie come alive yeah it's not like just people sitting next to each other facing each other and speaking like yeah people are often <laughs> busy fidgeting and stuff in real life yeah. like putting away dishes while they have a conversation or just 
messing around with stuff. When I was, I would always show like clips from like on the waterfront. And everyone's like, "Hey, easy, Rianda." <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, "It's like be like Marlon Brando," um, but like it was—it's true. Like he'd, you know, there's a scene where he's like messing with this glove while he's having this really emotional conversation, and it it makes it feel so much more real. That scene that we just saw was a moment of like Kurt producing prowess where he, because Rick used to say to Katie, this is all for you, kid. And me as a person without a child was like, yeah, that's a good line. <laughs> and then he was like, you would never say that to your kid. <laughs> it's putting too much on the kid. What are you doing? And I was like, what? Just dimly staring at him. Um, and then we, we worked on a better one and, and I'm, I, I really think we got to a good, much better place for that. Yay me, the only one old enough to have had children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's, it's, I mean, and that, that was an element of the movie that I'm like so grateful to. And it, looking around this room, I'm like filled with emotion because it's just like every scene in the movie, I could point out to like 30 artists that added something great to it. And it's really a wonderful experience to be able to like say, okay, here's where the marker is. We won't let it get any worse than this, but how can we make it better? You know, and just sort of everyone throwing ideas in and, and, and adding to it. Yeah. This um, dog cop <laughs> stuff is really fun. These were so much fun to light. We lit the background <laughs> like it was live action <laughs> and stuck a, the, the uh, car on a stick. Yeah, <laughs> that, which is a reference to a, a, a Matt Chapman film called Dangeresque Puppet Squad. Um, and there might be a short that references it on this DVD. Or Blu-ray, I don't know. I'm old. Guys. <laughs> I thought this was for Laserdisc. <laughs> this is for uh, uh, C Philips CDI. <laughs> this scene was, like, really hard to get from all standpoints because it's so goofy. <laughs> but it's got to convey a lot of emotion. And, it's, and for a long time, I think we didn't have this scene or didn't have a scene like it. And... It felt really imbalanced because Rick really has been wrong, you know, over the course of the movie, even though he is trying and he has good, you know, ambitions and stuff. But, you know, he isn't seeing his daughter and we didn't have a moment where he really experienced that. And the animation in the scene, I love just those little winces and stuff um, like it really you really feel him feeling it. And we cut around the goofy dog <laughs> for the realization and. Somehow that isn't doesn't ruin everything, but um, hopefully. But um, but it was th that that scene took like forever, and we were dialing it until the very last minute. And this is when the movie goes from like zero to eleven. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the, some of these shots and stuff came from an early conversation that me, Jeff, and Guillermo had, because when the movie got greenlit, we were like, we should try to have some big you know, theories for what we should do with the movie from a cinematography standpoint. And one of the things was that w the camera work was going to start out really messy and like a documentary. And we got a little bit of that, but not as much as I think I imagined. But I was, you know, we were we were new and didn't know what we were doing, at least me and Jeff, I would say. Um, but then, like, as the movie went on, it kind of became more as the family became more un unified you're shooting it more like Mad Max Fury Road or something. Um, and it was really exciting to give this to the layout team and have them like run with that and have some really cool, dynamic, crazy action stuff. Yeah. 
This was this segment right here was boarded by Vitaly, so it was really funny. Yeah, he's, so, he, I think the whole story job. team just like it was like the Voltron of story team. Was like, <laughs> like, like I got on top of Vitaly, but then Caitlin got on top of like it was just like we yeah. just walked like a giant robot. It was cool to see them in the hallways, just like <laughs> stacked like that. <laughs> people were like, "What are you doing?" We're like, "It's the process. Leave us alone." <laughs> And they they were like you you have like a you have a 17 million line item for Voltron Panther robots. <laughs> we need him. We need him. Um, this was Chris Miller's idea. He because it was so funny that it's like Chris works so like it's like so intuitive. He's like he's like ah how does Rick get out whereas no one else does? And then he came up with this really great sort of you know like maybe he has a type of screwdriver that nobody else has and we sort of like tracked it throughout the rest of the movie and to the point where it's making a dad and phoenix cheer <laughs> um and i've also been told by people like robertson number three you would never use <laughs> and i was like sorry i don't do tools <laughs> sorry about it that's the place that controls the screens right I go there and find Cage's video. Yeah, I think we're just watching the movie at this point. <laughs> this, well, this was always the like when uh, Katie shows up in the car. I was like, well, in screenings, some of which were you know rough and rocky, and and the plot or emotions weren't working in the middle. I was like, as long as we can get to this part of the film, yeah, we're okay because it's like yeah. uh, everything comes together until the end. Yeah, everything starts paying off too. I mean, because that, that is one thing I really, you know, learned over the course of the movie is just, like, how important it is to sort of fail quickly. Like, we had so many Act 3s in this movie. Yeah. Um, and it was like, it was like, oh, this one is too long. And then, you know, it's like Jeff Speed wrote a version where everything was cross-cutting and that felt better. And then we did that. But then, you know, it's things still weren't coming together and, and you needed more intercutting and and that sort of thing and and we really learned that just like the amount of just just failing is like learning when you're making an animated yeah. movie like this like you you're and if you're really attentive to what's working and what's not you can really quickly iterate and make things better well i mean i think you established like a very like nice uh philosophy in regards to the story team which was like let's just keep it rough yeah let's not spend any time <laughs> on time it's like no but that's some like shadows it's like stop them no <laughs> Just have the roughest version and put it in editorial and see if it works. Because like I still remember, like there was like one ending where like it was like that palace plan was to put a chip on human beings yep. to make the perfect human. Yep. And then we tried it, and it was like before we even started boarding, it was like ah, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> yeah, it was like it was like a, a horrifying episode of Black Mirror. <laughs> it was like yeah. somehow worse than Black Mirror because it was a kids show. Yeah. Um. I just want to point out there's some real amazing work done by uh, uh, Doug and Todd, who are editors, um, and they found these clips, and Todd actually made this out of pictures of his dog, <laughs> and that's him <laughs> as a child, but like totally distorted and gone insane, and and they were these great editors that also wrote jokes, um, which is a rare find, like that's a Todd joke. Um, and it was just, re they were really great members of the team because you could just throw an area at them and say like, hey, come up with 10 jokes. And and they would come up with something great. And this, and I will also say, speaking of editorial, 
this is an, an area where we worked really crazily hard with Greg Levitan and the whole editorial team where we would be in the bay until like two in the morning like okay one more frame okay three more frames <laughs> okay six more frames and, it, and and Greg was such a wonderful like intuitive editor that the first passes would always be great and and he was such a fun guy to sit in the room with that it was like so joyful that even though it was like 11 at night and and we were all pulling our hair out we're still somehow having fun um which is very vital in the editorial process <laughs> And there's many hours with Phil and Chris looking at this back and forth. Yeah, here. totally. Yeah. And they were so great at, at yep. being able to plus things up and and be editors to our mania. <laughs> uh, this is some great work. Uh, Maya Rudolph here going wild and out. <laughs> yeah, this um, stuff was so fun to animate. Yeah, a big did. favorite in our test screenings this scene. Yeah, and, and it's so... It's like it's also just like this is like Guillermo going nuts boarding this the first scene and then the animators like who have been forced to go realistic the whole movie <laughs> finally like get to be unleashed. One part that wasn't boarded was uh, when like when the oil lands on on, on Linda's face. The kill, the kill like, Bill shot. And I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> I was like, this is great. <laughs> I think you asked for that, Mike. I think that came up like after we showed you a version or something. We, that, 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 was a sne- that was a sneak of ins. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes if it just sometimes if you don't ask for permission and it just appears in the screening and it gets a laugh, people don't ask as many questions. But if you write, you know, Linda's face covered in robot blood, people are like, "Wait a minute here, hold on." <laughs> but there was a lot of debate. It's like if we make the if we make the oil a little bluish, we can get away with it. <laughs> And this this stuff we really worked on till the last second, trying to sort of make all these moments work. Yeah. There's one little moment here that God bless Jeremy Spears. Like we're trying to Kyler figure out. Spears. Oh, sorry, Kyler Spears. No, 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 that's okay. <laughs> is, is that another, another brother? Yeah, his brother yeah, is Kyler Spears. Sorry, Kyler Spears. Uh, we were like figuring out what the hell is gonna happen if like is Monchi gonna land on the on the ground or like is the car gonna crash? Like how do we? And I think he boarded this scene. Yeah, but... just he, he was just I just that, he was like one and done. I was like, hey, maybe something funny happens here. He's like, what about this? And I was like, that is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> he he had a lot of impact. He was only on for a couple yeah. weeks, but he had a lot, a lot yeah, of stuff in the still, movie. There's one. There's still a moment where like Pal here was like, all right, robots, clap sarcastically at her, and then everyone started clapping. Yay! <laughs> and she's like, no, not sarcastically, sarcastically. I, I missed that scene. <laughs> <laughs> this this scene was added late in the movie. We had to have some sort of confrontation between Katie and Pal, but it was just a lot of talking, and no one cared. <laughs> but it was really important to me because I, I sort of, if this scene isn't in the movie, the point of the movie just kind of becomes love your parents or something. Um, and to me, the movie's about sort of what, exactly what she's talking about, o- almost a little too much, where it's... If you try hard with your family, you can make things better. Um, and it's hard, but it's worth it. And I really believe that. And it was Greg Levitan, the editor, who's like, if you bring scenes from earlier in the movie, this stuff might hit harder. And it really did. It really sort of it got makes so much better. Yeah. yeah. There's actually a scene that was cut from a movie um, where the family's jumping around and celebrating. That used to be a reaction to the, the mall, router yeah. getting blown up something in the mall. And you guys were able to get that back in there. But that was a great scene that was really fun to animate, too, because we had, like, eight 
people eight animators crashing around jumping and people were falling all over the place there's a lot of injuries yeah yeah so it's it was worth the efforts right made it in i think it's it actually worked this one yeah yeah (laughs) it's a really good shot um and even though it didn't appear early in the movie that's okay and and i love how the the Abby crushes this. And this is Guillermo's joke where he's like, this speech is a little corny. Can we just have Pal fall asleep? And it was like awesome. And Olivia, and it sort of like saved the scene because if you don't do that, it, the, the room becomes so full of sap, you would, you would drown. <laughs> this is also a really awesome, horrifying score moment by Mark Mothersbaugh um, and his team that he really crushed. I remember in the mix getting louder on this hit louder yeah, louder yeah, yeah, louder yeah. until it was like an explosion right there but he they did they got it i really I, I think that moment really makes me feel something yeah yeah it's funny i've seen this movie especially working on it so many times but when the music was in there when i saw that moment it gave me like chills in a way that i hadn't when it was rough the, yeah everything no. comes together it's super powerful well and he and mark is so good with sort of scores and themes and emotions and stuff like that like it's it's both like really you know inventive and robotic when it needs to be but this stuff really hits hits me hard emotionally and there's a there's like really great acting in this scene too from the animators and danny and abby really crush it too man could change his programming we decided we could change ours we make our own orders now And I, I, I guess I'll also just say that the this movie is based on uh, my real family and my real dad, who is a real lunatic. <laughs> and I have, like much like the movie, um, sort of come to an understanding uh, with him over the years. But I always tell the story where he he sort of like woke me up in the middle of in the middle at, at like five a.m. one morning. He's like, Mike, we got to build these bathtubs in the woods so we could legally be naked in nature. And I was like, what are you talking about? And my mom's like, he saw it in a Cialis commercial. And she's like, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. That doesn't matter. And then the the interesting thing about my dad is that he really built these bathtubs. He'd like drained <laughs> like the, their bank account. And my mom was furious. Um, and then anytime anyone sees them, they're like, these are incredible. Your dad's a genius. <laughs> um, and I, we were all salty about it. But, but it really is like sort of, I really, I really realized in that moment when he built that tub that him and me, like, weren't that different. Like, I'm making a crazy movie that doesn't make any sense, and he's building a crazy bathtub that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And and that was sort of, like, where a lot of the sort of thrust of the movie came from, because I was sort of a film student loser, and he was a dad who didn't understand what I was doing, and, and it was it's been really nice sort of... He now like loves the movie, like cried in it, and I've never seen him cry. And it was, it was, it sort of like, uh, you know, brought us closer. So that's that's the little a little story. And Linda is like based on my mom and my aunt who would like run through a brick wall to save anyone in their lives. And Corey, my sister Corey, is sort of Katie's really funny, and my sister's really funny. And anyway, I just want to shout them out. Shout out the Rihanna family. <laughs> and this scene is gorgeous. Um, the team did a really great job and I think especially like in terms of color scripting and stuff how dark it gets and how bright this stuff is for their crimes <laughs> mom's scary now 
We were a little uh, creative with how we broke time. Like it goes from being night when it needs to be to being morning. <laughs> you kind of go on the ride, and it like th this is so much more impactful in this kind of early morning sunrise. So we just kind of we pushed it. The movie's pretty yeah. pushed, and I think it's really beautiful for it. Well, and that's and that's like the the caricatured you know feeling yeah. like this is supposed to be a really joyful scene. So you kind of buy that the clouds are sunnier and more joyful than they would be, and. And also, Lindsay really pushed me, too, because I was sort of so distracted at the end of the movie with a thousand other things. She's like, this is Katie's big moment. There should be tons of Katie vision in this scene. And uh, and then she added a bunch, and it really helps that scene like come alive and feel as joyous as it should. And also, Guillermo's... One day, we had a screening, and like three minutes before the screening, everyone was like, okay, the screening's got to be locked. And then Guillermo ran to me with this peanut butter and jelly high five drawing. And I was like, stop the presses. We have to get the peanut butter and jelly in there. Um, and I was, I jammed it in the movie despite uh, us running out of money and time. <laughs> there were a few like last minute, like that drawing of Abby Posey, I saved at the last minute. This was actually a Heather Ann Campbell joke, I think. The, the Oh high. yeah, the, the Mont... Yeah, she she came in. She's really funny, and she came into uh, pitch, and she was like, "Oh, wouldn't it be like emotionally impactful if the dog suddenly looks straight?" And Jeff sort of figured that out in in uh, in edit that like one eye would go first, and then the other eye would go second. Was the callback to this always in there? No, that was actually uh, Craig Thomas put that in. He did a punch up pass oh, on the movie. He's Craig. great. He added that, and he added the line where Katie says, uh, I'm just leaving home. It's not the end of the world, which really helped bring that part of the movie together. Shout out, Craig. These uh, shots were especially hard just to sell the scale of this <laughs> rocket and the effects. And yeah. I always thought that, there was a, that, that the rocket hit so hard that I always wanted the doors to open and just human parade come out of it. <laughs> out of it. <laughs> just a slew of bodies. <laughs> oh, this, this is a scene this is a scene Alan was talking about. Uh, uh, Jim Posey's actor secret in the scene is that he loves birds. <laughs> so if you see him in the background, he's just delighted by seeing all the birds. He sees one right there. He loves it. <laughs> Oh, there's no one. <laughs> He's like entranced by them. I don't know what animator did that, but I was so happy to throw that in there. Really neat. And I wonder if you could come over to my house and talk about dinosaurs casually sometime. Um, sure. Another thing I just want to talk about, I've got a couple last minute things, but it's so hard to sort of, we just tried to throw everything we could at the movie and try to make everything as sort of, Kind of one of our tests was like, is it memorable? If we walk away from the movie theater, would we still remember this moment? Um, so we tried to like work on everything until, until Rick's story at the end with the typing on the computer was memorable and Linda's thing was memorable where she's tearing open robots and stuff. And, and that's like a test that um, the band ABBA has <laughs> where they're like, if I don't remember the melody, it's not worth putting in a song um so we had that role it's like if we didn't remember the scene uh we would have to come up with a better one that's why we never wrote anything down the entire uh, production that was a really cool thing that everyone loved <laughs> <laughs> 
I still remember this scene in like uh, screenings. People knew what was gonna happen, but yeah, they feel they it did. in the movie theater like ah, it's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they would like laugh before it happened. Yeah, this is my favorite. What are my favorite jokes in the movie? These. <laughs> laugh at this every time. This was another one where we had to break down <laughs> what was so funny about these really basic boards because we tried like, oh, we'll just anime, we'll do a little bit more of this and that, but. We had to like take a microscope to those boards to figure yeah. out like the head tilts and the timing of all of that, that to an, get it just that right was an because Alex it was show. perfect. This is a great moment from an animator, Chelsea, uh, where Katie's tooth falls out. Um, well, that wasn't on the boards, but she added that the last minute. It's really funny. Chelsea did those other John Legend shots. Oh yeah, nice, oh, yeah. great. Chelsea's great. So there's so many great animators on the movie, and just the, ev- the like, I'm just it's so amazed at the team, and it's like I just don't. Somebody was like, you'll never have a team this good again. I'm like, I probably won't. <laughs> <laughs> I will They're do a separate, separate commentary where I will just say each animator's name <laughs> as the shot comes up. be a lot less exciting. But... <laughs> Chad Ellis. Is this Chad? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this is one of the sequences we did almost first. It's like the yeah. kitchen yeah. was one of the first ones and then the ending of the movie. Because I remember we were like, well, this is locked. We won't touch <laughs> yeah. it. And we changed it 700 yeah. times. Yeah. This was boarded by Raymond Shu. It was like <laughs> he did one pass where it was super rough, and we're like, "Oh, awesome! Let's clean it." And Mike was like, "Don't clean it." <laughs> there is something sometimes about that original spark of something where everyone on the movie can attest to this. Where I'm like, "Don't change anything," but like, I you do try to hold on to that original thing that made you laugh. And sometimes, if somebody does a prettier version of it. Or that made you cry, or that made you think, or whatever. And if somebody does a prettier version of it, it loses something. And I was always like this, like maniac, holding on tightly <laughs> to everything. So my uh, my wife's dad, like he came to our house one day, and we were playing the movie, and he came right at the end, right mm-hmm. as like Katie arrived to college, and then. By this point, he was a sobbing mess. <laughs> and I was like, wow, we're re- wow, this team was really good at what they did. <laughs> this guy has not seen the whole movie. And he's like, wow, this is like really emotional. I don't know why I'm crying. <laughs> this, I think this scene is, this scene was bordered by Andrew Ross originally mm-hmm. um, with, you know, highlights from everyone. Um, and, uh, and this is one of the early ones we showed that I think really helped the, you know, it made uh, Christine Belson, the head of, uh, Sony, the president of Sony Animation, cry. And I was like, I think we're, I think we're okay. And I just want to shout out to sort of Christine and the whole team at Sony because mm-hmm. they let us do this crazy movie. <laughs> like the whole time, I was sort of waiting for them to pull the plug and be like, Ah, just kidding, you guys aren't real filmmakers. Um, <laughs> but they never did. I think she had just dropped off one of her kids at college. Yeah, like it was the timing was dead on. Nice, <laughs> we timed it perfectly. <laughs> that moose call thing was something that. Uh, that's something that Chris and Phil were, was like, came up with us in the room. And I was so convinced that it was like, it's going to ruin everything. <laughs> but it, 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 uh, it always is a nice little real moment to make it a little less sappy at the end. And also that little Hannah Cho action. Yeah. And that animation is wonderful. I could just do that the whole movie. I'm just a fan of the people in the movie. <laughs> I have a fan account. Uh, my Twitter is just a fan account for everyone who ever worked on the movie. <laughs> and this this sort of this is one of the earliest Katie visions we did, and it was I always really loved it. Is this Alice? Yeah, Alice Lemon did this one. Yeah, it's super fun. And it just made it makes like the end feel 
like this magical change. I love this song. There's a certain point where we weren't going to have any of this, these needle drops that we have, and I'm so happy that we got them all um, because they're, uh, I really think they fill you with joy in these moments. There was a time um, where this stuff didn't wasn't going to make the cut for the yeah. film too. Like yeah. we, mm-hmm. we had basically fully animated it, but it didn't look like we were going to have the time or whatever yeah, the money to, to finish it, to right. finish it, yeah. to light it, and render it, and all that stuff. And somehow that that was that's a place where Chris and Phil really swung in and helped us. Where it's like Phil's like, well, how, how how can we make the movie worse? You know, like this is in there, people love it because it it, it this. These scenes really tested really crazy well in the screenings, and we love them a lot. And yeah, they're powerful guys. Good, yeah. Your art dads, you call yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our, 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 our cool the, art uncles. The Academy Award winning thing doesn't hurt. <laughs> you know? they, it's weird when they bring it into meetings and slam it down on the table. <laughs> they're like, oh, what? what's that Oscar? We think you should keep the scene. They're bullies. They give us swirlies. Uh, <laughs> no, they're incredibly sweet and sort of everything I ever we ever could have wanted from them uh, never let us down um, also that sort of um, Katie moment I'm sort of really happy that we we sort of worked with our LGBTQ plus team members um, because Katie had always sort of been on the bubble like is this is this her personality and they were really like yeah do it um, and we work with them to make sure that we're doing it right and I'm really happy that people have or at least some people have been moved by that um and it's been something that is something that we're really proud of this is another moment where we realized that like the audience just wanted the family to be on a road trip forever <laughs> <laughs> and we did too it's so sweet and this alex Leahy song makes yeah, me cry it's a great I song it. i listen to it while i'm jogging that's <laughs> <laughs> ah, my family for the longest time i always thought that you were the tall guy <laughs> I thought you were the arrow, and I'm yeah. like, oh boy. A little baby. <laughs> little baby. I'm really happy we got all these all these people in there. I don't know about you guys, but I've gotten so many texts from people with our with my credit. Like mm-hmm. a photo of it, you know. <laughs> Just saw the movie, it's amazing. That's great. Yeah. Louis Koo, by the way, is an amazing Hong Kong action star who co-funded this movie. Thanks, Lou. <laughs> He's like an incredible actor and also one of the best looking people I've ever seen in real life. And he has his own robot collection. He has a robot we collection? We were talking about robots and they were like, we know, he has a robot collection. <laughs> we're a like, robot can we see it? They're like, house. no. <laughs> True story, I had, a, I, have a, I had a dead plant in my office and then one day he was passing to go to the conference room. The plant came back to life. <laughs> just from him passing by. It was really cool. It was really, a... really awesome. Yeah. <laughs> It died again because I didn't feed it, but anyway. <laughs> it died once he left. Yeah. <laughs> Mike! Yeah, it's, it's it's really great to see all these people and their families. This is a lot of work, but like, because it's not just these main ones. Like, there's people from the crew all throughout the <laughs> yeah. crawl. Like, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. so well, many. That's sort of the, like, maximalist <laughs> style of the movie where it's like, we need to get every single person yeah. is in the movie yeah that was super last minute it was me and one of our artists tiffany lamb we're like a collage everybody such a unique thing to do you know yeah, yeah. I'm so glad getting we did. the approvals was just a breeze 
every photo is a slew of legal documents behind it. But no one more like quietly and graciously like swept up the mess that we made than like Kurt. Just at every turn, smile on his face. Like another store for the mall? Sure. It's like, okay. oh, your face is casually getting beat red. Yeah. But you seem friendly. <laughs> I'll yeah. continue telling you bad things. <laughs> One person I really want to thank is definitely Alex Baskin, because he was oh, like, yeah. he, Alex? he, I would, none of us will be able to do, and the story department will be able to do what we did be, if it wasn't for him. Like, he was like this master who was like, so this is your meetings, this is what you have to do. And I'm like, oh my God. And he has like a very, like, coach like football coach vibe yeah, yeah. <laughs> all, right, like, all right let's uh let's uh, huddle together <laughs> sorry alex <laughs> no yeah there's so, like everyone on here is somebody who i have i could i could build a statue to the entire crew um also want to shout out shout out alex Hirsch, who uh i continue showed four hundred thousand cuts of the movie too and he gave me a bunch of notes <laughs> and also everyone in image works you're seeing now who like made the actual assets that you see in the movie, like Marvin and yeah, the crew was just so into it, so just loved working on this film. Even going remote, working at home, just didn't, yeah. didn't slow anyone down. It was and it was that because that yeah, it's true. Like COVID happened in the middle of making this movie, and it really did. It like it's you know we got locked down on Monday and people were like working on Thursday, and I initially was like worried that it was cruel but I, I realized myself i was like oh i really need to work right now <laughs> because just me staring out the window i'm i'm slowly going insane yeah shout out to carrie smith the ImageWorks producer yep led that team but uh, yeah you guys were working a week or two after getting how many artists home 300 or so oh easily yeah you know I mean, that was, was remarkable yeah and all the the infrastructure team at imageworks too like mike ford and all of his people i mean they yeah it was and it was a really amazing almost lucky thing because like our our whole system kind of works as a remote thing anyway there are people in los angeles and vancouver and the system is like somewhere on the border between california and Canada and so remarkably with some really good luck that the company was even set up the way that it was so we could do that so anyway I just want to thank anybody who got to the end of this um, <laughs> and listen to all of us anyone who watched this movie we love you personally uh, we're going to write you a thank you note um, and uh, we're really we're really proud of this or at least I am I'm getting big <laughs> thumbs down around. <laughs> but um, they're scowling. They're writing, uh, I hate you. On That's mean. Um, but, but no, um, uh, but it's it was it was a real joy. And it was a joy to work with all those people. So yeah. um, it was nice to watch it with you guys. And it's nice for nice. You guys watched it. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I hope Woo! that of the 10 people who buy Blu-rays of this, <laughs> A couple of you listened to this. How dare you? It's going to be thousands. I mean, the letters that we'll get, you, you won't even be able to believe them. So, so thank you, all nine of you, and Mike Rianda, who also bought this DVD. <laughs> I will say, when this came out on Netflix, I got, um, I bought an additional nine Netflix accounts <laughs> and had them going on a loop to try to boost our numbers. 
shirts. <laughs> and at one point, my wife was like, she's like, we're paying $80 to Netflix a month. And I'm like, uh, well, let's go one more month because we got to really boost those numbers. So, um, you know, can't so let the algorithm see that the accounts disappear <laughs> after streaming the movie. It's true. The, the, the algorithm is going to burst down the walls to the store and arrest me uh, for my Actually, thought my, crimes. Mike, Mike pays me. Mike paid me a lot of money to come back to the basement and hit. You still watching? Yes, yeah, still watching? Yes, yeah, still watching? <laughs> <laughs> God bless you. Thank yeah, you. No worries. I need the money. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Great. Wonderful. Um, so, so do we reveal the prize winner now? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. If your name is... Uh, <laughs> Ch Chet Desmond Chet of <laughs> Morris, Kansas. You uh, won! <laughs> <laughs> Chet, uh, he made let that us up. know. He made that up. <laughs> Legal Just department. Write, uh, 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 9050 Washington Boulevard. <laughs> <laughs> that is the actual address. Shout out to everyone at Imageworks. Um, who Look at all those beautiful faces. Look at all these beautiful faces. Best crew ever. Best crew ever. And also all these songs uh, that we... Speaking of uh, Chris and Phil pulling through, <laughs> they yes. really helped us get all these songs, even ones that were on sec a screen for like three seconds, like Death of the Lost Campesinos, where everyone's like, do we need the three second long cue? And we're like, yes, it's slightly better. <laughs> but it is true that I, I do feel like really the, 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 a lot of the movie is just made on those little differences between this is slightly better than this. And if you do that enough times in the right direction, um, things get a little better. So hopefully, if you like this movie, it's because <laughs> a lot of people are fighting hard for it. And a lot of people put a lot of, uh, a lot of their hearts and souls into it. I'd say we leave in this uncomfortable part where oh, we're wait. just kind of winding down. I want to say, <laughs> I want to say that that's my, that's my daughter right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, also Mike Moon, who helped uh, make this movie a possibility. It's amazing. That's my Mike Moon impression. Shout out, Mike. Wait, this is a work of fiction? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? And there's one last thing at the end. Oh, this is uh, Louis Koo's uh, production company, One Cool Films. That's the coolest we'll ever be is working with Hong Kong action star Louis Koo. <laughs> and right now, as the movie ends, we're just going to say all the titles the movie used to be. <laughs> Connected. Uh, the Mitchells Against the Machines. Uh, Page Against the Machines at one point. Control Alt Escape. Bleep Blop You're Dead. Bleep Blop You're Dead. <laughs> Can't forget that one. 01101010 the movie. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thank you.